Huh. Anything? I don't know. Are y'all still using that that silly uh, my my voice intro after all these years? That's amazing. The following is a presentation of WAER Sports, the original home of the Orangemen. Why, yes, Bill Roth, we are. And to be exact, today this is a presentation of all of WAER Sports. Voices from the class of 1968 all the way to now. Welcome to Talk Back. I'm Cooper Boardman. We began this journey of this podcast with the story of March 11th. That was the day that sports stopped. And this is our final episode, a chance to hear a little bit from every generation that we've talked to. A half century of WAER voices. Think about that. A half century have been heard for the last 20 weeks, and each of those decades are going to be represented in this episode. There are commonalities in their experience, while in school and working on Ostrom Avenue, and beyond that as well. The first, and the one that permeates everything on the SU campus, is this one, from 1968 alum Len Berman. Nothing changes in Syracuse. I, I, I remember the, the great blizzard of the 60s when, when, the, when we had to take a bus back from New York to get to Syracuse, and, and the throughway got closed. We had to sleep. They put us... Uh, they gave us a, a blanket and said, sleep on the floor of a rest stop on the New York Thruway. So uh, there's a memory for you. The only other thing that doesn't change in central New York is the guy who coaches its men's basketball team. Every single alum you're going to hear from in this week's podcast has called a game that Jim Bayheim has been a part of. That's a streak that stretches beyond the grumpy old man's head coaching tenure, too. The very first basketball game I ever announced, that was my freshman year, um, St. John's came to visit, and both Syracuse and St. John's were ranked. And uh, and and in the game for Syracuse was, it was Dave Bing and Jim Beheim. Jim Beheim was actually played in the first game I ever announced. So I went on to uh, announce the games uh, throughout my senior year. In fact, we would uh, broadcast the road games, which, which at the time was a big deal, because the games. Uh, we're not carried uh, on WAER. Syracuse sports are still defined by many of the 1960 starring characters. Marty Glickman called Ernie Davis, who now has a dorm named after him. Think about that. Jim Brown dazzled at football and lacrosse. And of course, there's the other great number 44. In football, Floyd Little was my fraternity brother. In fact, the very first football game my freshman year at the old Archibald Stadium was Syracuse against Kansas. It was Floyd Little against uh, Gale Sayers. And Floyd uh, either scored five or six touchdowns, and it was just unbelievable, and Syracuse won. The Syracuse that Berman knew has changed in a lot of different ways. We no longer call games through payphones, but the station was transformed entirely in the mid-'80s when West Virginia play-by-play broadcaster Tony Caridi was at SU. The university wanted to take control of it and to make it an NPR affiliate, and I'm sure they had their reasons. But what it did was it took away all of the leadership of the students. I mean, you had, a, you had a general manager that was a student. You had program directors that were students. You had the ability to run all different types of programming. And eventually they brought in professional broadcasters to be the news director, the general manager. And it was a, uh, it was a tenuous time that, that took a long time before the thing transitioned into a full NPR station. And, you know, that's what it is today. And that's a lot of years later, uh, but that's what it is. And so it, it certainly changed the entire culture of what WAER was. And yeah, the culture changed as a whole, but some parts of that culture, ones that still persist today, 
did not. Dave O'Brien of the Red Sox and class of 86 saw that firsthand. There were all sorts of just outstanding people uh, that I got an opportunity to be around and learn from and see in their formative years. You know, Tarico was a pain in the neck. He was he was a, a guy that, you know, if you were in a, an editing bay and you were working on a piece and you were trying to get it done so you could get your 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 project submitted, he would be the biggest pain in the butt because he'd be like, hey, why are you doing that? How come you laid that in that way? What about the sound you used here? I mean, it was like you just wanted to swat him and tell him to get out of there. But you also realized, you know, how gifted he was and how serious he was about it. So that's probably the thing that really sticks out more than anyone, just the really talented people around. For this podcast, we interviewed 52 of those talented people, and there are 52 more at least still out there. On our first episode all the way back in April, we talked with Ian Eagle. He's class of 1990. That's four months ago, breaths into a pandemic, when sports at that point were gone. It's not trivial. Uh, I know that it feels like it might be inconsequential uh, considering what's happening in the world right now. But I think what I've also learned is uh, it is important to people and it's important to have balance in life. And some of that balance has been taken away, but it's not taken away forever. It'll be back. And it is because, as Ian said there, sports are not trivial. People care, and that's a big part of what their coverage is. They're called spectator sports for a reason. Eagle graduated in 90, and in that same year, Beth Moens was in the grad program. Eventually, she'd go on to do Monday Night Football and help create and grow ESPN's coverage of the college softball World Series. It's been incredible, really. When you, when you think about where it was when we first started out there, we, we didn't even have a full production truck. I think we had half of a TV truck. And we only showed up to call the finals, and it was tape delayed. And, you know, to where we are now, where we have a compound and a couple hundred people. And Finley launches that one deep. that show up to work that event and, and has really grown into one of the biggest events on the ESPN calendar in terms of coverage of college sports. So it, it's really been phenomenal to see the growth, uh, to see the fan base, and and to, just to see the, the general interest in all things softball. And we also need to be honest that WAER has to own its legacy. The lineage of the station and the university that it's at privileges certain groups, even when it doesn't explicitly reject others. That's at play with some of the phenomenal broadcasters who have come from Syracuse and made their own path, like Jamie Say, class of 98. She's the sports director at News 6 in Orlando and got her start at WAER. I know those lessons that I learned at WAER are things that I still do today. You know, don't take shortcuts because we didn't do that at WAER because you couldn't because the next student would not take a shortcut. Um, so I definitely remember that. But but the things that, that really make me smile are my the, the fellow staff members. You know, it's like you've got these great memories of you know, road trips and if somebody overslept their cast or if somebody really royally screwed up or, you know, just just talking to guys and stuff like that. And, you know, what we went through to get on staff and what we went through to get to our senior year. So I would say, you know, it's definitely, definitely the guys. 
that I worked with. It's a focus on the people around you, and also a focus on yourself. Take it from Anish Shroff. He's a broadcaster for ESPN and a proud Indian American. We asked him about the fact he didn't see anyone who looked like him doing sports when he was growing up. Who cares? Right? I mean, I didn't think of it. I didn't see it, and I didn't realize that I didn't see it until I had already made it, which was probably a good thing. And I think a lot of times we get so caught up in there's nobody like me doing this. Okay, so why does that mean you can't do it? And I found out that hard work, dedication to the craft, um, and just worrying about yourself in, in terms of, you know, WAR, I remember, was as competitive an environment and atmosphere as I've ever been a part of. And that includes ESPN. And to be honest, it's the most competitive atmosphere that I've been a part of. And you probably know a lot of what I'm talking about. You can only control if you're better than you were yesterday. You can't control how, you know, the guy next to you is or how this guy is doing. Even though you're all competing for the same thing, you can only control if you're getting better. And that was always really my approach. And so I never, ever viewed that as competition with anybody other than myself. And I felt, hey, if I have some talents that are inherent and innate, great but I got to outwork everybody and that was my thing and I remember spending a lot of nights you know editing uh, and voicing and revoicing stories um, you know until one two in the morning making sure like everything was just right and I remember putting in the work and the attention to detail and I always felt hey if I can outwork people I'll outwork people I don't want to be caught unprepared I don't want to be caught you know not knowing something those people and the place inspire you to keep pushing, to keep going. That's true if you're working on your career, navigating a pandemic, or in the case of Jason Benetti, as he's talked about, living with a cerebral palsy diagnosis. He's a 2005 alum and the voice of the Chicago White Sox. My personal story is I can't look directly into a camera and they still put me on TV. So the odds were kind of bad for me. And, uh, you know, I... The odds, are, the odds might be worse now than they were for you two months ago, but that doesn't mean it's a no. So if you really love doing this, do it. Do it in any way, shape, or form that you can. If there's no football season, like find a way to still make yourself good at football. If there's no basketball season, find yourself a chance to get better at basketball. Like You can lament that, and it would be awful, and my heart would break for all of you because it's such a valuable experience but it's not the end of the world. And you have to be sure of that. Like that is true. Sports will come back. If sports don't come back, we have way bigger problems. And we're all gonna be singing I Dreamed a Dream from Les Mis as though it's real life. I dreamed a dream in time gone by. The thing is, it's all really serious and it's all really important. We all want to make it as far as we can. But the experience at the school, and it's an experience that in part will be missed this year, is way beyond doing the Syracuse Duke game, which is somehow more important, that experience. Just ask Jason Horowitz of Westwood One in CBS Sports, also class of 05. Benetti was a better beer punk player. Benetti was absolutely a better beer punk player than I was. Uh, and our house at Livingston, we had... I mean, I, I think probably like a lot of college houses, our living room table was a beer pong table. It was, <laughs> I don't know that we ever actually had dinner at that table. 
Uh, but yes, he was the better beer pong player. No question. And a phenomenal poker player, for that matter. Out of school, Matt Chazanow, who's now the voice of the Washington State Cougars, was roommates with Benetti. Those two ended up in a spot that just about every single one of the 52 people we've talked to have been in. Like, we kind of knew what we were good at. We knew how, how we wanted to do it. We knew we weren't where we wanted to be yet and all that. But we would sit around and, and help each other pass time, you know, dirt poor. So, you know, you're making, I were also substitute taught, worked at Starbucks, did all this other stuff to make ends meet. And so I had five jobs that first year to make 12 grand total. And so you're, you're helping each other, uh, um, your companions. We were, compa- we were, you know, buddies at home, like helping each other prep and spend time and couldn't afford to do anything. Go, go get a you know cup of coffee wasn't really in the budget. So we're gonna go like, we'd jog, we'd like run around, literally like run around, starving artist kind of deal together. And that constant, the working together, the trying to get by, it all becomes staggeringly relevant today. My cousins graduated in 2010. He was in the midst of a world trying to get out of a recession. So what's his advice for right now? Well, I have a lot of faith in the medical professionals, not just in the United States, but around the world. Because if you think about what has happened in the last decade of our lives, in the last 50 years of human history, that there's so much great potential to be able to stem the tide of things that are potentially negative. So remember Benetti and Chazanow living and pushing forward together? Same thing, five years later with Cousins and Kevin Brown, class of 2011. My cousins and I are both at ESPN in fairly similar places. And we talk frequently uh, about our shared work experiences and just about our shared life experiences. That is the really cool part about WAER. The college experience is most clearly defined by where you spend your time on your campus. In WAER's case, long hours editing lead to lifelong friendships, and it all persists, whether Syracuse ends up playing football games this year or not. And most importantly, it teaches you to find hope, even when it's hardest. People, when pushed to their limits, are capable of extraordinary things. And being in New York every night at 7 o'clock, we hear people clapping and cheering and yelling and banging cowbells in support of our first responders and our healthcare workers. And it, it, it's only a minute or two, but it inspires you every day. And it makes you realize that we are capable in our darkest moments of immense courage and immense gratitude as well. And I don't think that spirit is going to go away anytime soon. I think now we all realize how good we had it as of two months ago, how many good things there were in our life. And whenever this is over, and scientifically it's going to take some time, but there will be a vaccine at some point, and this will be over. Whenever this is over, I'm hopeful that we will all have gained the right perspective on what we missed during this time. And we're going to be so thankful for everything that we have again. That's my hope. It might sound a little Pollyanna-ish, but I'm an optimist. And I think we are going to learn a lot from this. I, I know I am. I know I look at the world differently than I did two months ago. And I, I think that's for the best. 
That's an interview that took place four months ago when the pandemic had its grip on New York City. The belief that things will get better is so important, in part because it's the driving force for all the people that we've had on. It's the same force that inspires all of us, that same force that inspired Maura Sheridan, class of 2018, to do something she'd never done before. I went up to Beth Moen's. I was very nervous, very nervous. And um, we talked, I asked her for a picture. And she said, what do you work here? What do you do here? And I said, yeah, I just, I think at the time I had just gotten onto staff. And she was like, oh, that's awesome. Do you think you're ever going to call some games? And I said, I, I don't think I would be good at that. And she said, How, why would you say that? Like, just try it. She just told me to try it. And she said, you never know, you might like it. And literally, that was in November, called my first game ever in April. And I spent from then until April trying to make something that was listenable through tapes. So she pushed me, I had a long way to go, but a conversation like that, I think it can go a long way and I try to pay it forward when I can with any uh, young female broadcasters that I know. Maura, by the way, spent last summer in minor league baseball, one of six female MILB broadcasters during the 2019 season. Which brings us to where we are here. This is a podcast that started weeks after Syracuse beat North Carolina in the ACC tournament. That same night where Rudy Gobert tested positive, the sports paused, and the entire country seemed to officially enter into a place that we're still in. Jack McMullen, who was last year's sports director at AER, saw his senior season cut short around him. I was so sad that night. Uh, I had no idea what was happening in my life and anybody else's life because your thoughts immediately went to the people that are immunocompromised and the people that are older than you. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's just something that drives in like a knife when it becomes real. And that was the night that it became real for people that are enveloped in sports and as enveloped in sports as we are at such a young age. Like, this doesn't, you know, nothing has ever hit this hard on the sports field in my lifetime. I'm 22 years old. And I'll, you know, I'll say this the same way that I ended the broadcast. I'm 22 years old. This is the weirdest night of my life. And I would say that probably for the rest of my life, unless something crazy happens. And unless, you know, there's another pandemic that happens in our life. But you know, I wasn't alive in the, in the late 1910s. I don't remember the influenza pandemic. I don't remember SARS. I don't remember, you know, swine flu ever getting this big, and swine flu never got this big. There's something crazy about public health that just, you know, makes you think a little bit more about everything else that's not just Syracuse men's basketball. So I wouldn't be shocked if Elijah Hughes didn't think about Syracuse men's basketball that night after the game. You know, I certainly didn't. Uh, I don't think anybody that, you know, any of us four did. Life hasn't been the same since March 11th, and now we sit here in August. All the questions we had at the start of this still not necessarily answered, but we have made a lot of progress. Pro sports have returned with empty stands and bubbles, and honestly, I'm not sure if we could have imagined that when we started this. For WAER, we'll soon see students back inside the walls. The story of this past few months is one of resilience, one of adaptation, at times despair, 
and above all else, it's hope. We heard it from the 52 Syracuse alumni from across the sports world who spoke on this podcast. The lessons we have learned aren't new ones. Most of them are just reminders. Be kind to those around you. Invest yourself in the life and community that you want to live through. Thanks for joining us for our 20th and our final episode of Talk Back. A huge thank you to the many SU and WAER alums who have joined us, and a big thank you to John Smith, all of whom took the time to talk with us over the last five months. This was a WAER sports podcast produced by Carl Moglein, along with reporting from the entire WAER sports staff, lots of help from the WAER sports desk. I'm Cooper Boardman, and we'll talk to you soon.